Welcome to Paul Mort Talk Shit. Curious fellow, but I like him. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. Paul Mort Talk Shit. He's a shady character. What, 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 what's his name? All right, uh, I'll read. I'm allowed to say I'll read because Russell is probably going to say it. Uh, we are talking shit today with Mr. Russell Kane. Hello. Mate, I'm excited. Yeah, thanks for joining me. This, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. I know, I know. Well, I just, I'm so busy. I thought if you don't come to my gaff, it's yeah. never going to happen. It's not going to get done. So I don't live in London anymore. So we're underneath a recreation of Hyde Park by Pissarro, a famous impressionist painting. And some art student copied it stroke for stroke. The real one's probably worth tens of millions. But it's actually the same. Each stroke, even though like, the little dude's hat is the same. Well, there right. we go. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast in front of a painting yeah, like that, especially. I feel, like I've, I feel like I've gone up in the world already, Russell. It's great. If you have a few mushrooms, they all start to move. Well, let's stay here. Have you had mushrooms before? Uh, in my in my part in a past. And what did you think of it? They were great. Uh, they were shiitake. They didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> shiitake. Russell, listen. Talking I did shiitake a, with a talk, <laughs> <talking> <laughs> shit. Well, I'm a fun kind of guy, and I'm a fun guy. Oh, wow. I'm a, that's a dad joke. Yeah. Russell, so I did actually have an opening question, but I wanted to ask you yeah. because you're a very busy guy. What's the most challenging part of what you do? Uh, since Min has been born, probably the current stage she's at. Since she passed about four and a half, five years old, she's mm -hmm. needed me more. Mm -hmm. So the, the bit at the beginning, when it's like basically a milk slug, yes. milk in one end, shit out the other, yeah. I was more involved than a lot of blokes. I loved all the, the nappies and the charts and, yeah. and the sleep. But at the end of the day... If, me, if I disappeared for five nights, it's just a fucking, it's like a 90s raver, like on MDMA. Yeah. As long as you give them their milk, they just go on the floor yeah. and you know you're there. Yeah. Uh, as she got to 18 months, the bond and the love that women describe kicked in. So mm -hmm. it started to become difficult for me to leave her, mm -hmm. but I was able to manage that because I love my work. Now she doesn't want me to leave her. That's harder to yes. deal with. Daddy, you're going to go yeah. away, do one less gig and all that. I'm like, yeah. am I doing too many gigs? Yeah. So the hardest part at the moment. Uh, unless I'm lucky enough to be doing a gig local like today where yeah. I can still do story time, is just saying goodbye to her. And she's like, how long many sleeps you're going to be away for? Because she yeah. doesn't understand days yeah. yet. Yeah. For three and seeing her cry, and I'm like, oh, shit. That, yeah, man. That's yeah. the hardest part of my entire life. Yeah, and she hasn't even got to that stage where she's purposefully making you feel guilty. No, she's... My real. kids are both at that age. Yeah, it's the real deal. And uh, she's. I think when she's a bit older, it'll be easier. When she's yeah. nine, she'll have that rational part of her brain. That's got to go she make cheese. She doesn't understand... Um, it's a really weird age, six. There's still plenty of baby in there. I still need to scoop her up when she's hurt herself and hold her like a baby. She can fall asleep in my arms. Yeah. She's scared of the dark. But there's a little girl, and it's like a Frankenstein of both. Yeah. They're really tough. Yeah. So talk to me about this, because um, I'm always fascinated. I'm always complaining about being busy yeah. until I look at what you're doing. <laughs> like, what's that? How do you fucking keep that up? Uh, I just, I love what what I'm doing. It's like yeah. saying to a fat person, how do you keep eating cake? <laughs> like, I love cake at the end of the day. I do actually love cake. Yeah, but so it's, I, I, I'm, I suppose you could call me addicted to it. I absolutely love stand-up to the point that when I finish this tour, which I will in April, and there'll be a two-year gap, I do unpaid gigs Gigs with no stage, gigs with no lights to challenge myself to go back to, you know, when Rocky won, when he was punching yeah, meat, yeah, yeah, he had yeah, to yeah. punch meat in the fridge because he didn't have a gym. 
I stay punching meat. <laughs> I don't believe in, oh, there's a oh, there's a plush gig at the Lowry. Do you mind if I go on in the middle and do 10 minutes? Yeah. Like, oh, what a surprise. We've got I don't do any of that. I want to go on Frog and Bucket on a Thursday night in the middle of the new act. I don't want anyone to know I'm coming. Oh, fucking I like hell. to be unlisted. I want no allies in the audience. If you don't put weight on the bar, how are you going to grow a gun? Mate, that's fucking cool. Uh, so, so, you can, so you can keep up your level of energy... Because you love it. Because it's because of the, I love it, and then if I love, I clearly love making podcasts and doing mm. things like this. I enjoy them. Mm. I'm not here today. I don't. I'm not being paid, am I? No. I'm not being paid. No, no. I'm here purely for the the, the pleasure. I mean, I'm drinking your fucking posh water. <laughs> Proper <laughs> posh water. That I had to check then. But I mean, obviously, I love money. I absolutely love it. I come yeah. from Essex. I'm working class council estate. I love making money. Yeah. Of course, I do. But my primary reason for stand up for making uh, Evil Genius on Radio Four. But doing the Channel 4 show I've done today is the the pleasure of creating laughter and engaging people. Yeah. I'm addicted to it, like a crackhead's addicted to crack. Has it always been like that? Have you, since you were a kid? Must have been. What's since my first since you, like, have you No, since you were a kid, have you always been addicted to making people laugh? Have you loved it? It was more... It was more natural and instinctive. I didn't know. It, I did, it wasn't a thing I was doing. You weren't trying to make no, people no, laugh? No, no. So, someone the other day said to me... Um, it was someone quite seen in the business. Aren't you aren't you exhausted always being on? Ah, it's for a docu it's a documentary I'm making for Channel Four. Oh, the one in a yeah. There's a, I'm making a fertility <laughs> documentary for Channel Four, and the the, the doctor from Embarrassing Bodies, Doctor Adnan. I'm sorry, I've forgotten your surname. And he was like, "You must be exhausted always being on." I'm like, "I'm not on. Well, I mm. I, I'm not like I'm not different in the kitchen with Lindsay. <laughs> this is this is this is me." Yeah. So it wasn't a, a thing I was doing. I just was the mental funny one in the group. I've just found a way to monetize yeah. my personality. Yeah, yeah, sick. So you never get, do you ever get days when you, because I haven't seen it, and do you ever get days when you just fucked and can't be asked? Uh, I don't get days where I can't be asked. I get a lot of days where I'm fucked. Yeah. What I, do you do? I literally can be like, I'm not trying to be offensive here, like looks like someone's pushed Stephen Hawking out of his chair, tired on the floor. It, it, backstage, I'll sleep on a concrete I floor. I saw that the other day. No pillow, no cover, and I'll go out. You know when you see like a cartoon dropped out of a building splat? I'll sleep like that for 15 minutes and I'll come out of it like, let's fucking slay. So I, I no matter how bad I am, I had food poisoning the other week. Like a fever calling out to my dead, that dad who wasn't there, temperature through the roof. <laughs> really? Do I need to go to hospital? Don't I? That was at 5am. 8am, I went and recorded an audio book and then I went and did a gig. It's just the work seems to pull me out of the, the well yeah. that I'm in. The genuine... The joy, the it's like a calling. It's mm. like it's closer to religion. I don't understand people that believe in God. You can't wheel faith, can you? you can't, I can't make myself believe in God. I wish I believed in God, but that you've got to look at it like that, yeah. like a calling, like something deeper that just draws. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. It's, just, it's, it's what just, you're supposed to be doing. It's like drawing air. Yeah, it's like, are you ever too buck to brush your teeth? Never. And all the fucking states I've been in in Ibiza, the dance floors I've crawled off, I always brush my teeth before I fall asleep. The <laughs> idea of not doing it, it's like that. That's mad. I have to do it. How was then, and I can't believe I'm talking about this, how was lockdown for you then? Because for somebody that's addicted to being on stage and making people laugh, that must have been challenging yeah. for you. March the 26th, I think it was, 2020 lockdown. Mm -hmm. That was challenging. Mm challenging day i sat to, to Lindsay. i was like what are we gonna do you think about money as well because yeah. at the time it's it was like a talk of like it's a world war ii event it could last five years no one from a working class background has five years savings i'm no. like rich, rich as a lord then i buy a watch then i go on holiday then i've got to do another tour 
I'm just a fucking bellend like everyone else. <laughs> the only thing I've done sensibly is my house. Yeah. Uh, so I shat myself. March 27th, woke up, did my first free gig online. So it was about 14 hours of despair. Next day, I thought, Spotify model, do your shit for free online and hope like a like a, an investor at a casino, like the guy who started WeWork mm-hmm. and just kept getting more and more in debt. I thought if I get push myself for free in cultural debt, mm-hmm. hopefully when I... You profile... Yeah. yeah, and also for the joy of doing it. I'm still addicted to the yes. joy of doing it. Yes. So initially it started with lame like Facebook Lives and then mm. the Zoom technology came out and then Zoom started. And eventually, as soon as, I mean, we're talking as soon as summer 2020, I'm online doing corporate work. You know, there are pe- workers from home. We've got a comedian to take the mick out of the boss today. Then I was doing online shows. Then the Steph thing started, which was in studio. Steph's yeah. packed lunch. And people forget, oh, it was two years. no. By June 2020, outdoor distanced gigs had started. As long as you were sat mm. two metres apart outdoor. I wasn't and being not paid. dancing. I wasn't being paid. Yeah. Couldn't earn money. But I was, it was a sense of, of, of doing something. Yes, yeah. And uh, I, I, just, I just continued. Basically. Is that when you started keening it? In no, lockdown? Or no, did you start that before? Pure luck that I started it before. Was it? Pure luck, yeah. Started 2017. Um, this, spot, this Spotify idea of stand-up, I call it. Is yeah. like, what if you just did your stuff for free? Yeah. Dropped it online and see what happened. Yeah. Now the reason no stand-ups did that before, and I mean I can't think of many doing it now even, is you save your stuff up and sell it for a lot of money to Netflix or Live at the Apollo. Yes. But if you are a type B comedian like me, someone who thinks funny, I don't write jokes down. I don't. Well, I better do a ru- write down a routine about Liz Truss. I well, I did notice. I did notice that in Stockton where you just had a fucking post-it note on the floor. And that was it. I'm off. And slut drop loads, and then so, so went just, off on one. I just thought. Said my name multiple times, by the way. I know. <laughs> I told you about that, didn't I? That someone said to me after, were you at Russell Kane's gig, and did he keep saying your name? <laughs> There's one main part that I loved where you were talking about double penetration. Yeah. And then you said. Don't remember but this. it's not gay if your balls don't touch. Is it Paul Mode? <laughs> I don't remember that. And then Leslie's like, "Have you had a threesome with Russell?" <laughs> I was like, "No, I don't think I have." <laughs> but yeah, so you're a tell, tell me about this Type B comedian then. So what I mean, the caning started. I, I did a series which I love. Look it up called Stupid Man Smartphone. Right. Where I got sent to five extreme places on the earth, the Arctic, the jungle, the desert, and had to survive using only my smartphone. Right. It's a really funny series. And I had a different person join me. One was a YouTuber that said, I don't understand why you sort of granddads and grandmas, <laughs> analog comedians, don't do more stuff for free like us YouTubers. Mm. Oh, we would never do that because it would make you look desperate like you can't get on TV and also mm. you wouldn't give me material away. And he said, no, I mean the, the stuff you can improvise instantly or the B-grade stuff you didn't keep or the stuff that's so topical. Oh, so we would call that B-roll. Yeah. yeah. Or the stuff that's so topical it won't be funny tomorrow. So, for example, I've just dropped a... A semi-caning thing today about Liz Truss's radio interviews going wrong. Yeah. That won't be funny tomorrow. Yeah, I was, it was just like a light bulb switched on. Yeah, so I've been practicing those. Mm-hmm. So when lockdown came, I knew how to time a video. So after an insight, you leave a gap for an imagined laugh. It's a sort of in-between timing that I practiced and oh, learned for three years. Yeah. By type B comedian, I simply mean type A are the extremely successful comedians. The routines you quote, garlic bread, out, out. They, they yeah, write the like jokes. storytellers. Or they just write, they write really good material everyone wants to read. Have you heard that Frankie Boyle joke? Let me tell it to you. Whereas I'm just the funny mate who's got the balls to say my funny shit into a microphone. Very, mm. very productive. I do come up with some killer routines, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But ultimately, it's like if you're thinking of a fighter, right? 
if you're thinking like if you're in the world of fighting, you've got someone like Tyson Fury just born fighting. Yes. And you've got other people who've discovered fighting and yes. become brilliant at it. And yes. Joshua. Yes. So I'm I've born fighting, mm-hmm. but just out of my gob. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, mate. All right. So, so listen, mate, uh, the reason we kind of met through your podcast, I don't even know how that happened yet. I think it was something to do with Harper Collins or an agent or yeah. maybe a PR. But then I had you come and speak at one of our events this year, it was actually. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I'd seen you live and I thought you were fucking great, mate, even though you said me name loads and people <laughs> thought we'd had a threesome. But also I'd seen you on Stephen Bartlett's podcast. Yeah. And you were like a different guy. Yeah. What was it about that podcast that made you... Because you weren't... You didn't tell jokes on that thing. You no. weren't the funny guy. You were a little bit different. Was that planted? He asked you a certain question because you went in a different... I've got to... And I was like, I've got to have Russell come and speak at this event. Well, I just, I just will respond to whatever questions are asked to me. I'm always looking for a little lift or lightness at the end. Yeah. If you get me on one, it's the same person. Yeah. That intense... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, five Heathrow runways, planes landing on them, yeah. and wanting and going, getting to the point. It's just yeah. I would always favour one with a laugh at the end. But if you ask me about cancer, bereavement, yeah. uh, stillbirth, yeah. male fertility, male suicide, I'll, yeah. it'll be the same energy, the same Russell. But yeah. I'm obviously not going to go to at the end. Yeah. And so Stephen asked me some serious, heavy questions. Yeah. So I gave him. The, and was that. I'd never seen you talk about that before, and I don't know if many people had. Was that something that was new to you? Was it like a was it? Well, which bit? I mean, we the bit about us. your dad. Oh no, because you've done a stand up about your dad. Yeah, no, you? the, the there's a shelf over there. Feel free to pick it up afterwards I on the old beer. Son of a silverback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That up there. That's all the award. That was. They're all for the show about my dad. Son of a silverback's the book about my old man. Yeah, and they're the. But you awards. weren't making jokes much in this one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, at, at the end of the at the end of um, smoke screens and castles, the show yeah. that bagged me. What for us is our biggest award, the Edinburgh yeah. Comedy Award, which I was lucky enough to hand out this year. What an honour to be asked back to hand it Amazing. out to this year's winner, um, Sam Campbell. But the um, it, at the end, it was, there's no laughs at all at the end of that. The last two minutes, in fact, it's, there's tears. It's the same at the current show. You've you've saw an early version of Essex Variant. I don't even know if it was being branded as that. I think it might have, the show might have been branded as Russell Kane rescheduled or something. I think it was. Uh, now there's a the last two minutes again, few tears at the end, yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I do have that. It's called bathos, where one minute you're saying ball bags and the next minute you're talking about art, mm. or the one minute you're laughing and the next minute I'm telling you about a bereavement or a loss, mm. and you're like, do I laugh or cry? What's it called? Bathos, bathos, where you go from the sublime to the everyday. Yeah. So I'll be doing an observational routine about that. My dad died, and he's like, by the way, he's dead. He died depressed. And you're like, uh, 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 <laughs> that's bathos. Very powerful when it's used on, on stage. You yeah. can have it in music when one minute that... You like Bohemian Rhapsody, brilliant use of Bayfoss. One minute you're rocking out, the next minute Freddie Mercury's doing a bit of opera. It's really interesting that because I've never heard of this before, but in my live show I start with a story about suicide where I'm on the edge of it because I come out, people cheer, and then I say how have I ended up here, and everyone starts laughing. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm on the edge of the fucking cliff yeah, here. The and then they go dead, and then I tell a joke about taking a shit in public and getting Bathos. sent to court for it. That's really interesting that. Yeah, like Bayfoss, but with a buh. Uh So yeah, I, I mean, it's, I... Um, have no uh, edit. I if you ask me a question, I w- I will answer it yeah. to the point where my most frequent thing I do is call someone afterwards. We probably shouldn't be that put that bit out. There's legal implications. <laughs> yeah. And so Stephen wanted to know. He wanted. It's a bit, a bit slightly businessy podcast. So he he wanted to know how I'd got to where I got to mm-hmm. from zero several mm-hmm. times over. So I just mm-hmm. told him. Yeah. There's some people out there need to hear some hard truths. The bit that there's something that you said in there that I think I'd heard you quote on before was the bit about. 
someone asked you how to be, yeah. how to make it as a comedian, and you said... Yeah, so there's, there's one factor which is so uncomfortable, and I don't even know if you how advanced people would have to be on your courses before mm. you could make people realise it's a thing. But it, the sad thing is, luck is a thing, yeah? You can do all of the courses and read all of the books on that shelf, myself, help. you could do everything right, and there is still a possibility you could be unlucky. There is some of my success is right man, right time, right gig. Mm. Some of it, mm. some of it. A mm. small percentage. I've had that recently, man. Fucking hell, I've opened that venue the other week and I got that because me mate right. filled it. But, no, <laughs> but everyone wants to think, it's because I manifested it and I worked yeah. hard yeah. and I did the program. Yeah, yeah, that's helped you optimise your luck. Yes. One of my favourite books, Lindsay's just reading it at the moment, The Luck Factor. By mate, me. all the guys in my programme are reading it after you recommended it, yeah. yeah. So you can make yourself more lucky. Are, do you, have you got friends? I'm so unlucky. Oh, I never have a girlfriend. I never have a job. If When you run a test on them, you tell them, right, you're, someone in this room is going to win a tenner. Just go through the pages and look for the hidden symbol of an aubergine and whoever finds it first wins a tenner. And it's, in, it's 20 pages. And on page two it says, it's a trick. There is no aubergine. Go run out now and claim your prize. Yeah. Unlucky people never spot that text. That's they never see it. Boy, I'm so unlucky. Once you change, yeah. the reason some people find money, I found 20 quid, I found, you're always fucking finding money, Gary. Because Gary's looking for fucking money. That's yeah. why Gary's finding more money than you. Yeah. He's not encountering more pound coins on the pavement. That's the first factor. The second factor no one wants to hear about is hard work. Ever since that first episode of Pop Idol, or whatever it was called, went out, and someone stood on a spot in front of the old lineup, Pete Waterman, and went, <laughs> and became a pop star overnight, that generation, everyone born after about 1998, thinks that is a thing. It is not a fucking thing. Yes, some people get scouted in the street and become Kate Moss. Yeah. Yes, someone do Britain's Got Talent and sell out a stand-up tour. Yes, some people win the Euro Millions. It's one in a, in a million. Yeah. Don't live your life by a Euro Millions ticket. Yeah. Control the controllables. And unfortunately, the main thing you control is grafting until your tits fucking come off. <laughs> right? Literally, if you're a boxer or a weightlifter. And the, the analogy I draw is go up to someone in the gym. I dare you tomorrow to go up to the ripped guy, the non-steroid ripped guy with the, your target body and go, how did you get an arm that big? The obvious answer is I've given up significant portions of my life and I spent eating chicken and staring at myself in a mirror doing that. Mm. And it's really fucking boring and it mm. takes years. Mm. Next. That's the same with any job. Barrister, doctor, comedian, podcaster, someone who wants to start an inspirational course for men mm. that builds them into leaders. Mm. Hard, boring missing nights mm. out no one wants to, no one wants to hear that answer they do you know i have a piece in my show where i talk about this and that that obviously i'm a jujitsu guy and and i remember this guy john Kavanagh, he's conor mcgregor's coach he said something like the only difference between me and you and i'm a black belt you're a white belt is that i started before you that's it i've done more classes than you i kept going for longer and i didn't stop yeah. as much as you do yeah which is so basic yeah but it is you're right no one wants to hear it but that said and i have to put this caveat in we are Born, there's a difference between equality and fairness, right? Systems should be fair. I'm a big like lefty. I love seeing lots of color and lots of gender representation. I'm sorry if that pisses you off, but that's that is my political persuasion. That said, that's fairness. We are not born equal. I mm. cannot wheel myself into being a basketball player when I'm 18 <laughs> if I'm five foot ten. It ain't gonna happen. Mm -hmm. I'm clearly funnier than a couple of my other mates <laughs> it made sense for me to pursue that yeah. if you're someone that turns a room awkward no one finds you funny no matter what you do yeah 
practicing comedy for years is probably only you so far. If you're dyspraxic like me, you don't really like hitting people in the face. I'm probably not best put for, to go on a jujitsu course. Probably yeah. not for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how hard I work at it, maybe yeah. I won't get to a black belt. Yeah, because my because I'm not designed for it psychology, yeah. or whatever. So natural attribute mixed with hard work and roll the dice with luck, but you can create more rolls of the dice. Yeah, this is the crucial bit of information. Just keep fucking rolling it. Yeah. You, you keep rolling it. Yeah, I love that. You look, yeah. This is a cliche, but you lose 100% of the fights you don't have. Yeah. You so you mentioned something there about people walking in the room being awkward and comedians. Liz Trust. I was talking about James Haskell, actually, because <laughs> I saw that you guys did a podcast. Haskell's a... Yeah, I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm coaching him. I yeah. almost... I'm going to say it. He's a friend of the show. Yeah, yeah. I feel fucking sick saying that. Yeah. How's that going? Uh, well, he, he spoke to a number of comedians yeah. and, and I'm helping him a bit more significantly. I'm buzzing that. I'm buzzing that you're doing that because he's actually yeah. a great storyteller. Yeah, well, I, the thing with James, the first thing I said to him was, I, I don't know what's gone out or, or what's been broadcast from the episode that we recorded, is you can't go on... Some some people, you, when you go on stage, you've got to acknowledge what you look like. You, that's the bit that he's put out. And he has an great. extreme look. So it, it also has the advantage of making it not look too scripted. Yeah. If you can duck under the stage and go, oh, that's not designed for people with a pituitary disorder. Is it? <laughs> you know, just, just something that's funny. Yeah. So if you were gigging down south yeah. as a stand-up, I would refer to your Jordan as early doors. Yeah. I wouldn't just go on and go, hello, I'm Paul. Uh, just, you know, you just make something of it. I can also speak English. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love it. So talk to me then, because I, 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 you posted about this on your Instagram the day actually about men's mental health because this, this is something you're passionate about right yeah, yeah. extremely uh, so i do a podcast called man baggage which i try to occupy an area i'm not saying anything against the other areas my area is less important but essential so a lot of this brilliant uh, work going on at the moment about getting men talking getting men emotionally literate i know you're in this area yourself mm -hmm. getting men sharing if your mate's gone quiet check in once check in twice check in till he tells you to fuck off because if he's going to top himself him telling you to fuck off is the least of your worries yeah all of those things. But there is a significant number of Gary, Dave's, Lees and Trevors who get left behind because they don't want to be emotionally literate. They don't want to put a jumper on and digestive and share. They can't get out of their heads. And, and that was never, me. You're never going to reach them. Yeah. So I do believe humour serves a different role in men. You might think this is sexist and binary or whatever. All I'm telling you is men kill themselves seven times more than women, yeah. as, as we understand. And you've never been a woman, so no, it's hard. To, it's hard. People ask me, why do you coach men? I was like, I've never been a woman. Yeah. I don't. I work with women now, but I find it harder because I've never been a woman. I've got... And it's, it's just my bias. I've had a lot of results in life where all the other blokes in my group haven't had... Um, the, my, a mate to talk. Like, well, we, you're from a masculine upbringing as well, right? Your dad. Jack's not talking. Was I'll get a result because I yes. fucked about for three minutes first. Yes. Oh, your wife's left you. Hey, do you want me to look up a brass? Or, like, take the piss out of him for <laughs> yes. three minutes. And he's opened up to me an hour later. Yeah. There's clearly some men that need humour as a sort of lube yes. before you enter their heads with your words. Yes. It's hot. It might be hard for some women to understand that that is yeah. male bonding. If there could be a guy who you know is fucked up about losing his hair, this is a massive thing for men. We don't talk about it. Yeah. I don't think people realize how fucked up men are about their hair and their hairlines. <laughs> and yet, we would always rather your mates were saying something piss taking first before telling yeah, you about knocks at all. It's hard to understand, ladies. I get it. Yeah. But that's where man baggage sits. A, yeah, I love that because it's a funny thing. Because obviously, I've worked with fucking thousands of men who've been in this place. And I think, and this was me when I was suicidal, is you think talking about it's going to mean you get mollycoddled. Yeah. And someone's going to give you a hug and that. And sometimes I think some men don't need that. Yeah. Me personally, 
I needed someone to tell us to wake the fuck up. Like, I needed to be told, like, this is you that's doing this. Nothing else. But I also, I love that humour thing because um, it's hard to, you're right about these men, hard to get to. Yeah. Hard to get to. Why are you so passionate about it? Uh, well, I've got, what's wrong with my brother isn't anything like this. My brother is severely, severely um, disabled by mental health to the to the point where he can't text, can't mm. do a shopping list, never had a girlfriend, never worked. So yeah. he's at the severe end of the spectrum. Yeah. So that's how I've ended up working with like charities and on all that type of work. Mm. But even my own journey, I mean, I've never, I've never had a therapist. I've never been on antidepressants. So I sometimes feel like a bit of a fraud joining in on this until I remember I did the Hoffman process, which is one of the most intense things you can do. Yeah. Eight day residential, no phones, no exercise. You're, not, you're supposed not to even masturbate. I don't, they didn't police it, but you spent a lot of money on it, so you don't. Um, and you just focus on yourself. Why did I do it? I did it because I had an issue which was hidden, um, mm. and it was just. I suppose it's. I'm more in the anger management area. I've never hit a human being in my life, male or female. I've been hit in the face a few times by bullies and then just walked off. Um, but because of this, I've avoided. Physical conflict, like no other bloke I know. I mean, in the, every situation I'm out, I'm high fiving the person who was about to stab us uh, and rob our money. You know, I've just got, I've got what it takes to stop an arsehole being an arsehole enough time for us to get away. Yeah, and talk your way out of it. So I've never, yeah. and in my personal life, I've never ever touched wood ever struck a, a person mm. or animal. That said, I have had a complicated relationship with inanimate objects mm. from the age of fourteen. Started, I would say, if a computer didn't work or I couldn't find my keys or I was running late for school, I would go beyond what is a normal door slam. Mm. The hole through the wall, tear a book in half. Always hidden, always covered up. Obviously, I got found out a few times here and there. That built and built. It built and fucking built to the point where, now I'm starting dating, obviously you're drinking too much and everything else in your 20s. I'd have an argument with the girlfriend, I'd walk, just do like crazy shit, like walk into a road or something. Mm. This is not your sort of self-harming, give me some attention, I'm stabbing myself in the bathroom. Yeah. Which, uh, I'm not sorry, I shouldn't do that, I'm not making light of it, but I'm just telling you it wasn't that type yes. of self-harming. Yeah. This self-harming was, I've got a temper brewing up inside me that's so scary, if I don't stab myself in the arm, Yeah. I'm going to do something fucking mental and like run out of a window or yeah. run on a train track, just enraged, not in suicide. Mm. In Come on then, fucking headbutt yeah. and Nissan. So I, I got more and more <laughs> to the point where I would, I'd be having a row, never with a, in this situation, always with a girlfriend, only someone who I was intimate with, um, so where I could let the full fake shit fall away. And I would just pick up a pen and go, there we are, cunt, done. And then I've got a hole. I'm like, great, I've got a hole in my arm. And if you look, well, hold on a sec, I've got some scars up and down here. Yeah, yeah, sure. That one there's there a bad one. Yeah, that's where I hit. Um, you know the lock hanging off a, a uh, the the blinds they draw down at shops. I just went like that, hit the lock, and it gauge. Unfortunately, hit that vein oh, slightly. Sure. So that was scary. Yeah. These I used to pretend were scars from where um, I used to keep house rabbits. Oh, you got to be careful picking up rabbits. That's, that was my cover story. Oh shit! It was done by animals. It weren't done by animals. It was yeah. done by me. Yeah. In a rage. Yeah. But then when I talk about it, I get put in the. Did you want attention? No, I wanted the opposite. Yeah. I just wanted the rage to stop. And it worked. The trouble was, worked. Worked brilliantly. The second... So you, and you, calm, that would make you keep doing it. Calm as fuck. Yeah. Not, not often. Yeah. This, was, this wasn't like it was happening every week. Yeah. And then there, uh, there was one incident that left the Hoffman. Do you want me to... I'll tell you what happened. I'd had a gig. This is, we're already now, I'm a 30... Fucking in my 30s. And self-harming injuries, we associate with females in their teens or 20s. Yeah. Most people grow out of 
self-harming. To, for a, a straight man in his 30s to be doing this, it's, we're down into the, like the tiny statistics now. I know. I mean, we know we've got a lot of wall punchers amongst men. I'm not. I'm still allowing myself the odd door slam or mug throw even now. Normal yeah. behaviour, don't stress. But to actually self-stabbing and shit, something else. Anyway, so I'd had a dodgy gig at home, start having a row with my ex. Can't remember what it was about. What's a dodgy gig? Like you just... Just knackered, lost yeah. my energy, worried yeah. about Edinburgh, working yeah. too hard. Yeah. This is 2009. We're eating a Chinese takeaway. I'll never forget it. I had this special fried rice just served up. And I just lost my temper and head-butted my dinner as hard as I could. Right? But a ceramic plate on a wooden table, not a good combination. The claret has gone across the room. Like, I've, I thought I'd done myself bad. It was only a tiny injury. But the blood, stitches, but the blood was pumping out. My sight's gone straight away where the blood's run into my eyes. So I panicked, thought I blinded myself. Mm. Sat in the kitchen, crying, calling an ambulance, all this. And, and as I'm picking, trying to clear the blood out of my eyes, I'm picking small, white, soft fragments out, which I swear to God, for a full minute, I thought I'd were bits of my skull. I'd cracked my fucking skull open. It, it was a life before your eyes, mate. Do you know what it was? It was special fried rice, obviously, <laughs> what it was. Uh, I thought, that is, you won't get another warning like that. Yeah. The next one, you're going to cut a vein, you're going to, and it, everyone will say, you killed yourself. That was not, I didn't intend to kill myself. I yeah. intended to milk temper out. Yeah. I ended up in casualty. It's relief in it. That's what you're trying to get relief from the, yeah. from the anger. I had to go and see the domestic violence lady, oh, casualty, fuck, yeah. who then my poor wife, He's being looked at, trying to get old Billy involved, like she's abusing me. Uh, my ex-wife, this is. Um, yeah. My ex-partner, I should say. So uh, I was like, that that's my red line. And it, that's what it took for me to, to enroll, go, enroll yeah. in the Hoffman, which is an extreme emotional talking therapy intervention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've never had, I've never had and seen another therapist since. I've never taken antidepressant. And I've never once, since 2009, ever done anything like that ever again not wow. one not one incident wow not one so yes, you, yes i can slam a door yes i can say can't, and maybe kick a book across the room yeah but i don't medicalize yeah shit like that yeah otherwise you know you'd so you could say that was quite transformative for you then eight days from a lifetime of building up to stabbing myself and smashing things that were expensive fist through a laptop for example yeah i've never done anything like that i mean i've had a couple of near misses yeah yeah where I've slammed a door and broken it, or maybe I've hit a light switch and cracked it. But you know, I'm a human being. I'm sure everyone watching this has had those days. Yeah, I'm talking about scary shit with blood. Yeah, never again. Yeah, gone overnight. Finished. Yeah, it was crazy. That's mad. And something else I couldn't do before Hoffman. Never realised this was a problem. Didn't hug people. We hugged when you turned up. Oh, sure. Just normal. Media. Like it, normal. You never did that. Never. Jesus. Normal media behaviour. Hug. Hey, how are you doing, man? We gave each other a hug. <laughs> Normal. Now, I can't believe there was a time where I didn't do that. You're in the industry that, like, double kisses as well, aren't you? Everything. Yeah. And, but I can remember being in my 20s, and when I felt a party coming to the end, I would get near the door, so I'd go, see you later, everyone, and do, like, a room wave and get oh, out. Shit. Very working class male thing. It's either a sexual hug yeah. or no contact. Yes. That's my, that my choice. I've never been sexually abused. I've never had inappropriate sexual attention. I've yeah. just put hug in. In you hug your missus, you hug your mum, you hug your, my nan. I'll give my nan, yeah. my mum a kiss. Any female cousins, anything other than that, nah. Don't. And did you not me. even realise that until after the Hoffman, or did you know that? Did you know that? I didn't know. I don't think I really thought it was an issue. I thought, yeah. what's the issue? Yeah. Look, and afterwards, now I, they call it the Hoffman hug, 
some evangelizing here. Sorry, Hoffman Society. I'm probably <laughs> losing you subscription because it's so cringe. But I just, I will. I'm a, I'm a hugger. I love it. I'm a media hugger. I've got no problems with a double cheek kiss. I don't see it as a, a, a cringy or, or sex. I suppose I put it in the same category as that's reserved for someone you love, yeah. either your mum, yeah, 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 yeah. nan, or your or your wife, or your child, or your pets. I'll yeah. just my, hug my pets. But why am I hugging Paul Paul Moore? But now it was just automatic. I just it wouldn't I mean, people would pay good money for that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> too, even though, but as long as our balls don't touch, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I never hugged anyone. Yeah, and it makes it sound like I had this terrible childhood. I, didn't, I just had a normal working class childhood. Yeah, I mean, my dad was fucking testosterone weightlifting fucking nut job bouncer who made nunchucks and sold them down the pub mm-hmm. but he was a good dad he worked hard yeah. never laid a finger on me my parents never divorced and he you know there is no interesting abuse story yes. here that I can give you there is nothing you got no, uh, haven't, you haven't got that fucking I, I don't big have an background idea. I've never been a drug addict hero's I've journey had, I've never had suicidal thought nothing's yeah. gone wrong I just found myself in a place where I would fucking love to cut my hand off when I lost yeah. my temper it crossed my mind talk to me about um this is a random question, but I have to I have to bring it in because I'm obsessed with this about you. There's two things I'm obsessed with, but I'll tell you the other one in a second. How do you manage your fucking schedule? Because you got your schedule's fucking insane to me. Yeah, it's, I just quite visually um, program, so I just find the Apple, the iCal diary. Yeah, it's quite good. I just and I make sure I have at least one completely clear day off a week, and one day where I've only got like. Something I'm doing from home. Yeah. But this would sit in my second day. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. And some Zoom stuff, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then I'll have one completely gym jams day. The other thing that doesn't fit with my personality, I don't understand it, is I'm just so good at doing nothing. Oh, yeah. I can do. Are you really? I can do 14 nights. I never have because I've got too much stand up going on. But I could, seven nights is what I've been lucky enough to experience in the Maldives. All I need is a pile of books. All inclusive, it's got to be because I'm a moron. Can't I don't like the thought of a bill at the end, and I can eat and drink and read. I'm fucking great at it. St Lucia, any hol- beach holiday, beach breakfast, I can do it. Do you think that's Russell? Because you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about the arm, but do you think part of that is because you're so busy? Yeah. So your downtime is has to be. You have to rest as hard as you work. So before, in another life before yeah. this, I worked in an advertising agency. That's what I was doing before. And we did these personality tests, extrovert or introvert. And everyone's like, oh, you're going to be an introvert. And I came back what's called an ambivert, which I don't think many people realise they are. That's the level down from pervert. Yes, exactly. Someone <laughs> who smells their own farts. <laughs> who doesn't do that, by no, the way? No, there is a word for that, calvert. And uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. Look it up. Oh, <laughs> is there a word for that? I, it's, in, it's in the Profanosaurus. I still do that. Yeah. I still like catch them. And Postman's delivery. <laughs> Cup of poop. Do you want to sign for this? What is it? It's fucking fart, <laughs> you dirty bastard. <laughs> no. Still the, do that, uh, me kids. Uh, if, you, if, you're, <laughs> if you're an ambivert, you yeah. will, when you're out and about, want to be the first one dancing. I love all the girls dancing around me at the R&B brunch while Lindsay's watching. <laughs> I love I'm, I love being on stage. I love strangers clapping and laughing at me. I love being on telly. But when I'm on the road, most other stand-ups, they put their backpacks on. I have to walk to a cafe or I go, mate, I can sit in that hotel. If I'm doing a three-night run, I can sit in that hotel room like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Aviator. <laughs> I don't even want to go down and clip my Deliveroo. Do you know why? Because I'm in fucking heaven in there. Socks, pants, Netflix, porn on cycle. <laughs> really good food from Deliveroo. I lay it all out in front of me. Bro. I don't need anything other than my own company. Do you love Deliveroo? Film. I've always been like it. I can recharge 
from books and film. I'm very lucky yeah. to have this gift of enjoying books. It's certainly from no one in my family. But once you've got, a, if you enjoy books, it's a, such an amazing thing. Because for like for 60p at a charity shop, even if you're skinned and can't afford your heat, yeah. you can go anywhere. You can literally, if your imagination is good, you can fucking go anywhere. If you can afford a Netflix subscription, which is a luxury in this day and age, mm. you can go into the future and in the past. I just love films and I love books. Mate, let's stay here because I fucking love books as well. What's your favourite kind of book? Because I know I know that you read quite a lot of novels as well, yeah, right? Omnivorous, definitely. Are like, you are you more of a fiction than a fact kind of no, guy? Because you no, both. Yeah, yeah. No, I alternate. Um, depends what mood, mood I'm in. I struggled the last couple of months to find a novel I'm into. I'm just trying to read for the first time John Le Carre, which I've never read. Oh, man. Which one are you reading? reading? Tinker Tailor Soldier Oh, it's sick. Just it's sick, I just literally just started it. Yeah. But before that, I'm always looking for books that expand your mind. I love Will Storr, for example. He wrote the book Selfie. He also wrote um, the book about status, which I've just bought, and that's on my list to read. Yeah. Um, so I like science. And you're, all, you're still a paperback guy, right? And hardback guy. Oh, you're yeah. not on Kindle yet. I do. I have Kindle. Like Kindle as well. Allowance on holiday. Yeah, sick. So I have that, and I get my newspaper on there. But I'll read lots of Richard Dawkins. Every Richard Dawkins book I'll read. Mm. Every Ian McEwan novel I'll read. Have yeah. the latest. Yeah. I just love stories. I love. You go into the head. You read Toni Morrison, and you can go into the head of a black female slave and live her fucking life. And you could say, okay, well, why not read Hosschild's book, Bury the Chains on Slavery, which mm. I've just read. I'm only using slavery as an example because yeah. I've read two books back to back. Yeah. And Hosschild's book, if you're interested in the history of the abolition of slavery, an amazing book. Yes, I enjoyed it. Yes, I learned a lot. Yeah. Did I understand much slavery as when I read Toni Morrison's Beloved? No. And the reason is, well, I heard a great quote. If you want to know real, if you want to know facts, go to nonfiction. If you want to know the truth, go to novels. If you want to That's know really interesting. the truth, the emotional truth. Because I think human beings, sometimes... The emotional up, truth. Sometimes serving up fact can be too much. It doesn't go down as well. So you're, yes. using, you're using it in your seminars, you just don't realise. Yes. So if we say, okay, guys, what we're going to do, this is how anger works, this is how we're going to solve it. It's different to going, I'm going to take you on a journey now. I'm a 14-year-old boy. I walk into a room. Myth. My computer's not working. I walk up to it, the sweat's coming across my brow. I'm telling you a story now. You're immediately more emotionally engaged. Me, bang on when I, when I, this is why I keep getting asked back to speak at events because I don't, I can wrap up a teaching inside of a story. Yeah. So I can tell a story about going down a fucking slide at the Atlantis in Dubai, the leap of faith. I can tell a story about that and wrap it up as, yeah. uh, tell it, teach confidence or courage rather than just, teach here are the three things you need to know so about you've confidence answered, you've answered your own question yeah that's there amazing a real problem i'm assuming it's worldwide but in the uk men i'm generalizing it do not read novels they they find it girly or in fact i was yeah. just part of the, the women's prize for fiction men don't read female authors There's, it's a real problem men should be reading really good female authors because all of this shit we spend our lives toxically shooting each other up about on Twitter. Men need to read this by Jermaine Greer. Give him, uh, give a man a, 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 a novel. I, mean, the, I, read the hand, I read The Handmaid's Tale. For example, yeah. Fucking him, unbelievable. Fucking Margaret Atwood in a bloke's Unbelievable. Hand, and he'll tut, and then all of a sudden, halfway through this <laughs> sci-fi masterpiece, <laughs> he'll realise what it's like to be a woman. It's a metaphor for what it's like to be a woman. You've got to learn Do that Do you know the mad back. part? My wife bought it to read. I'd finished something I was reading, so I picked that up and I never gave her a back. Yeah. She, I don't even know where it is. She never got to read it because I, I picked it up. I was like, fucking hell, this is amazing. That's something blokes could do right now watching this. Read more fiction because the medicine goes down better, the learning, the insight. Find things of your life 
that you're unhappy about uh, and then read a novel that's got a character in it like that. Just try mm. that for an experiment. That's cool. What's your favourite ever novel? Oh, so again, it's... it's or it, top three. It is by, it is by a, not a male novelist, mm -hmm. but it's with a protagonist who's female. So Madame Bovary mm -hmm. by Flaubert. 1857 by some people. Flo Bear sounds like a fucking rapper. Yeah, exactly. Like Flo, Flo Rider's cousin. Bear Flo. <laughs> That's Bear Flo you're thinking of. <laughs> no, Flo Bear wrote Madame Bovary. She's this girl. She wants to be more glamorous than she is. Starts shagging everyone in the village. Marries marries a guy, a doctor who's a nice guy, a bit of a sop. Treats him like shit and it all goes wrong for him. Just the way he goes into this woman's head. He's just some like pervy old guy in his 50s when he yeah. wrote it, some French dude. Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, Flo Bear. If that's too arty farty, just, just, just. Have you read The Silent Patient? Have you ever read that book? No, what's that? That blew me head off. It was, it, this was out last year. It's about this, uh, it's about this woman who loses her shit a little bit and she has a, the, the shrink ends. I'm not even going to tell you, but it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And Ian McEwan's good. Woman that never talks. What's right. Ian McEwan wrote? You know, Ian McEwan, the, no the novelist, his books are amazing. They're nice and short. It's always gruesome stuff happens in them. Is it, does it, is it like a... Um he wrote Atonement, Amsterdam. He's won the Booker Prize twice, I think. The guy's a fucking legend. He wrote the last one was about um, robots in the future and androids and have their feelings. Kazoo Ishiguro is another good one. I mean, yeah. it's just, just have a, do a little fucking B-roll shot of the shelf after. Do you, know what me Orwell. do you know what's mad, mate? My favourite podcast, I always say, are people when I ask them a question and they fucking light up when I ask them it. Yeah, I wasn't books. expecting this to be the thing. Yeah, so when I, I love interviewing a chef. I interviewed my friend who's a chef, Matt. And I asked him what, he mentioned fine dining. I was like, well, what's fine dining? And he went fucking off on one. I had goosebumps and everything. <laughs> and he was just talking about fine dining. It was fucking phenomenal. You've just did that with books there. There's, I've made friends recently. It's all, yeah, I'm going to say it's a friendship with a novelist called Kit Duval. Mm -hmm. Woman in her 60s. On paper, you would think, what well, we've got in common, but very similar backgrounds, mm -hmm. class-wise. And her novel, we're going to start anywhere, My Name is Leon. Read it on audiobook. I don't draw a difference between reading audiobooks. Oh, I do you not? I will not. Unless you are under 18 yeah. and still learning about the spelling and the shape of words, mm -hmm. fuck anyone that says an audiobook is less. So do you do both? Of course. Do you? And in fact, I went further than that. I went on, um, there's a show on Radio 4, mm -hmm. a really highbrow show called Open Book, all about literature. And I got to guest host it once. What a privilege. They went, you can do any segment. I went, I want to speak to a neuro-linguist and I want to find out if audiobooks are lesser absorbed than books read in the hand. Because there's a snobbery. And they there are is, not. Yeah. Really? They are going to the same fucking safe. You experience the same cultural expansion. And a lot of men who've had a bad experience at school and in English don't associate picking up the books with positive emotions. They can't focus. They get bored. The eye wanders. Mm. Get an audiobook with fucking Stephen Fry or Tim West, or someone really banging it out. Get get the audiobook of Margaret Atwood's uh, novel, The Handmaid's Tale. And have you been reading some, though? You've been doing a bit of that, haven't you, as well? Like reading, yeah, I do. Being, the, being the narrator. Yeah, yeah, I make audiobooks as well. But yeah, it... It's I I don't I I don't believe that there is a difference between reading it by audiobook or reading or reading a regular book. So that's a good way to get men onto. I've fiction. got that snobbery around that as well, actually. Although I did listen to the best audiobook I've ever done fiction-wise, the Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Oh, he's read in his stuff, Neil I Gaiman. Have, I've only read bits of Gaiman, but he's Class. absolutely amazing. Class, mate. I've got so many questions I want to ask. So that's um. Back on. Let me know. Let's get on to these. Um. Do you still get nervous when you get, go on the stage or not? Depends on the type of gig. Tonight, for example, as we're speaking, I'm on tour in Buxton, mm. medium-sized room, 800 yeah. seats. Yeah. 
everyone's there to see me. Yeah. It's m- excitement. It's closer yes. to, I don't know why I keep drawing boxing analogies. Do you know why I do? Because I know people that do boxing and comedy. Yeah. And that's the close, apparently it's the closest thing. Um, if you want to know what stand-up feels like, go and have a, a fight. It's it's equivalent of the nerves and the build-up and mm. the training and the practice. Mm. And it hurts, except the bruises are on the inside. <laughs> uh, but when it's you're much bigger than your opponent and when you know you're going to win the fight, yeah. the nerves... You can see go. what you want. That said, the yeah. aggression and the excitement and the gum shielding and all of that, yeah. I can't wait to knock the comedy out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once you put me in a multiple lineup yeah. where someone else is the headliner... Yes. Or, or it's not even a comedy show. Take Royal Variety, which is about one of the trickiest shows you can do in my business. Mm. They're there to see Harry Styles at the end. There's a magician before you. You can't swear. You can't talk about politics. They're controlling every word of what you said in preview because they have to for yes. TV. But you're an improvised comedian. Yeah. And you've got to go on at the end in front of a curtain while One Direction is setting up behind you, which is what happened to me. <laughs> That's when my bottle goes. Is it? And I'm virtually sh- just shitting liquid. By the really? third time I go to the toilet... It's like Bisto is sponsoring my ass. Yeah. It is bum gravy time. I yeah. can snort an emodium. It would make no difference. <laughs> That's when my bottle goes, when they're not there for me or when they're like, fuck off. Yes. I do yes. a lot of gigs like that. Yes. Corporate me gig, too. Corporate gigs, they're called, uh, where you're simply there to hand out their awards. Yes. They're not even aware that they were going to have you to hand out their awards. The pissed. And you've got to do 20 the minutes pissed. to hand first. A pissed as well. Eating their dinner. Oh, uh, but man, I, yeah. I like them because... Like I say, I take, I'm good at them. And the reason I'm good at them and like them is I like to be tested like that. But do I have nerves? Absolutely. How is it a normal? I need some advice on this because I decided I was going to stop doing them this year. Yeah. How do you, I might take them back up now because they're decent uh, for your profile. How do you deal with all them being pissed and yeah. feeling like they're not listening in all of that? Like what's your. A well-known stand-up is a friend of mine. I won't I won't say was voice noting me the other night. I'm like, and I've had more than one voice note from different comedians. I'm your go-to guy. I'll get a voice note from household name comedian at eight in the evening. Russ, what would you do in this situation? Mate, it's Chris Ramsey was who told me to stop doing them. He said, just fucking stop doing them. Right. So I am known, <laughs> I am known as not just doing these well, but enjoying them. And that's the secret weapon, I'm afraid. For every single thing, including blowjobs, ladies, <laughs> once you're once you're enjoying doing it, I remember those. The audience, I mean, you can't if you if if a girl's get if my wife's if a girl <laughs> giving you a blowjob and she's enjoying it, yeah, it's the best thing in the world. That yeah. thing that someone is in, into yeah. being fucked, right? Yeah. So that's the same. You've got to withstand up genuinely or anything. Whether you're training to be a doctor or a fight, I mean what. So imagine watching a boxer who doesn't want to really box. I mean, that's the most tragic image I can think of. Oh, fuck, I want to pay my mortgage. Yeah. If you can't get into a head where you're like, this is about solving a creative problem here. I yeah. can't wait. Like when I did your thing, or yeah. it's a totally different setup. because It I was, was invited, a totally different setup. I was invited and they yeah. were excited to see me. Yeah. But there was something to be solved because you needed me to speak at, in a tone in between what I'm using now and in between funny to keep them engaged. Never done that before. Yeah. I've never been halfway down the Because you're quite nervous at that, weren't you? Because I've, I've never done yeah. half and half. I wanted to ask you about that. Can we jump straight onto this? Well, it's, it's relevant. Because yeah, it, it is relevant. It was a corporate gig. Because you were, nervous. you were nervous and you said to me, and I'll remember this, that you didn't want to make them belly laugh. Yeah. Why was that? Because the stuff I wanted to talk about was serious. And if I laughed too much, 
we I might get carried away and just do like all my Newcastle stuff. And <laughs> I wanted to be able to talk to to stop the laughter completely. Yes, and talk about starting life and some of the challenges I've had without them going. Oh, it's not funny anymore. He's, he's starting to die. Yeah. So I wanted the rhythm of no laughs, laugh to become normal. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to be fifty percent less funny. I'd never done that. How yeah. did I solve it? How do I? I'm get a genuine gum shield in well let's see if i can knock this fucking one out yeah once you p- get your gum shield in yeah and you're up for it yeah that's how you solve a corporate so far as practical things you can do not yeah. yours which was beautifully teched and yeah. well done if they're all moving around eating their dinner and yeah. talking yeah number one i mean I don't know why we're giving people tips maybe if you're doing public because no, this is for me this is uh, purely selfish number one try and get someone senior from the company to go up and introduce you yes they listen they will always listen to their boss yeah number two Bring the lights right down and refuse to go on until they're seated and facing the front. And number three, make sure you get plenty of production to bring you on stage. If all what of do you mean by plenty of production? Music. Welcome to the stage. Ah, shit. So pattern interrupts kind Black, of. Full blackout. Yeah. Bring you on lights up. Yeah, nice. Try all of those three things. If they all fail and you go on to solid talking, yeah. don't start doing comedy or, oh, this is a load of shit. Because you're on a... You're on a they have a, a law of diminishing returns. Do, and this is what I advised my friend to do the other week, close up instead. They're not listening. Act like, oh, great. Anyway, let those guys at the back, I'm going to talk to this little table here and just entertain that table. It's coming out of the amp. Oh, just go nice. table by table close up. Because you still, they will listen. Yeah. They won't turn away. The ones on that table are listen. Just do table to table. And oh, okay. Sometimes it catches. Yeah. Sometimes. So there you okay. are, practical tips. Well, uh, no use to anybody else watching, a but lot, thank you for that free coaching. people will be doing public speaking, though, in a, in their office yes. environment. Yeah. And, and this and that's, I'm yeah. sure you mentioned this to me, I'm, that's like, there's a name for it now, glossophobia, it's called. Right, yeah. Exactly. I thought that was when you hated painting radiators. Yeah. <laughs> but it's apparently it's a thing, glossophobia. <laughs> glossophobia, it's a fear of public speaking, I yeah. can't believe it's got a name. So get the boss or the MD or the head of that department or someone who that room respects to go up before you, have mm. have them switch the strip lighting off mm-hmm. before you go on. It might be a bit of a joke, but it'll work. They'll listen. Yeah. So you can take things out from what I just said. Yeah, and I love it. I love it. We, we've got one for tomorrow, actually. We, I always have a fucking intro video with all the B-roll on it and shit, and me speaking on various stages. How much How much prep do you do for stand-up? Like, is there a rehearsal? Is that, or do you not need to? So this show is different to every other show I've done in the past and every yeah. other show I'll do in the future. What I would normally do is every time something funny happens, it could have happened in the kitchen just then when we're messing around, I'll quickly take a note. Oh, yeah, Georgie's do this and write it in my, <laughs> and write it in my notes. And just, forget, and just forget about it. Then what I'll do is I'll go through those notes on my phone. The reason I use the phone is because the iCloud backup. Yes. The days of writing it down are long gone. Yes. I lost the book. And uh, I'll think, what are the funniest ones of those that last and about 40 minutes? Yeah. Write them all down on a bit of paper. Then I'll book 30 previews. 30? 30, 50 seaters, tiny. Can't, no, really? You can't hide. Them. Are these ones that you don't really advertise hard then? You don't need to. The venue just sends out an email. You know, it'll be like smoke, say smoke and mirrors in Bristol. I think it seats 40 to 50. Fuck me. So, and I'll book at each venue, I'll book a four or five night run, no Fridays or Saturdays. I do not want the help of alcohol and having a good night out. I want total focus, hardcore. Mid. Arts people Monday to Thursday. I'm getting, I'm, I'm legit getting private coaching right now. Right. I love so it. The reason I do that, two reasons. Number one, after thirty coats of gloss paint, it appears finished. Whereas reality, what you're seeing is the end product of evolution mm. and rehearsal. Mm-hmm. But number two, if you do the same show five times in each room, controls out the variables. Yes. Because some things are about it's a long thin room, mm. or oh yeah, old people come to this venue, they don't laugh at anything. Until you've done it five nights on the bounce. 
you can't say, ah, oh, that routine where I do about Geordie's is definitely funny across the board four nights yes. a week. I'll take that to my Glasgow previews next week. Yeah, At the end nice. of those 30, I've always got a bang in 60 minutes mm. without fail. Mm. Essex variant was different. It was built up in lockdown through little asides, little bits, and it wasn't supposed to be a tour. It wasn't a tour when you came to see it at the no. Globe. It was an extended set that's grown into this beast and has turned out, in Sod's Law, to yeah. be my most successful show ever. Yeah. The first, sh I mean, you know one gets a good review in The Guardian, but The Guardian actually called it the best show of 2020. Hey, yeah. Me. You, you know, blokes like me who have already had a bite of the cherry, I mean, yeah. demographically and artistically. Yeah. It was just incredible that Brian Logan said that. Yeah. I mean, that is pretty fucking cool. So that, I said, I said, we need to rebrand it. It's not Russell Kane live. It's not always a 50 minutes set. It's called the Essex Variant. It's a tour. We're going on the road. And my manager's like, we didn't plan this. And I'm like, let's fucking do it. <laughs> we started putting on sale. And I've never sold tickets like it. Man, that's mad. Ever. Do you know what I love about what you just said? I've been, my age, my manager's on to me, Paul, let's do another show. And I'm like, I need to get fucking, I need to go somewhere where I know there's going to be fucking hundreds, 800 to 1,000 people. And you've just said you'll book somewhere that only has 50 seats. That's Why blow would me. you do that? I don't know. Because I've had a thousand. Yeah. And I know what that feels like. The problem with a the problem with a preview with 800, if 100 people laugh, you're still going to think the shit's good. If 50 yeah. people, if two people laugh, you ain't going to keep that. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking cool, man. That's cool. Talk to me about um, what... I always ask someone about this because one thing I've realised from hanging out with successful people, from interviewing successful people, is that all... Have had to learn to deal with criticism. Yeah. Do you still get that? You must do. All the time. I mean, I wake, I wake up every day, including today, to you talentless prick, kill yourself. Just no. I mean, when you see people going on TV going, I had my family and I had a death threat, I'm like, that is fucking just delete, next block. It's just yeah. normal to me. Yeah. So stand up is so provocative. My style is very energetic. I do these things called, how different does this feel to this? Immediately different, right? Uh, so as soon as you're doing that down the camera, everyone's got an opinion. You're coming down their eye holes when you do it on TV. Yes. Not after live gigs. Mm. Obviously, you've got the journalists that don't like you, but yeah. you don't get trouble at live I mean, their gigs. job is to criticise, isn't it? They're yeah. critics. That's and, and when you're on tour, you get obviously you get the odd drunken incident and someone yeah. gets chucked out. But but so far as criticism online, the best training I had for that was I worked in an advertising agency. So my degree was in literature, but the last year I moved into creative writing. And you had to learn to be able to critique your own stuff. Mm. When you're in advertising, you can spend four days locked in a glass cube coming up. This is the solution to Vodafone's creative brief. This is the headline. We've cracked it. High-fiving each other with yeah, eye bags. Yeah. Come out. The creative director's like, shit. And you've got to throw it in the bin without emotion. Yeah. Once you learn the skill of someone telling you your stuff shit and throwing it in the bin without emotion, mate, that is a superpower. Yeah. So when I can go into a stand-up, preview which obviously i've missed this time around with this show yeah and i will be utterly convinced that the story of me and paul mort going out for noodles and me spilling noodles in my lap is the funniest story i've ever told yeah and when it doesn't laugh i don't oh, i better try another hundred times i'm like ah, yes. shit, then. bye yeah no 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 attachment yeah gone yeah i've written books i've written three sitcom pilots i've written a musical all of which have been binned after months of work i don't think i even had an hour of negative emotion really I'm like, bothered Next. That's fucking. That's a fucking, it's a fucking superpower. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. But I had to do it professionally for five years. Mm. Otherwise, you just didn't earn. Yeah. So I, I learned it in the ad yeah. agency. Now because there's so lot. many people who I think get. I'm gonna not ask a selfish question now. 
there's so many people that kind of get crippled by this fear of being criticized. Yeah. Like the thing that they use this whole, well, I might get criticized. I'm worried about what people might think. And I think for so many people, that's what stops them from living a life that they really want to live because they're so fucking, they get so obsessed with what people might think and what people so might say. I recorded something yesterday. That's why the research is in my head. Yeah. That mindset correlates with shorter lifespan. Does Sorry it? to put it so brutally. Yeah. But people that are excessively concerned, you should. I'm not saying be a serial killer. You must care what people think. Yes. On a creative level. Yes. But if you get hung up and stew and ponder on what people think, it's strongly associated with uh, coronary and cancer and shorter lifespan. Jesus, wow. Because newsflash, cortisol, the stress hormone, can dump uh, calcium in your um, arteries around your heart. Whether you're fucking keto, ripped, McRip, uh, and you're totally healthy and live a zen lifestyle, if you give a shit and you're stressed, you will increase your coronary risk, particularly if you're a man. Yeah. And that and then that comes with all the wow. other risks, dementia, cancer, and all of that stuff. Uh, and that is why, unfortunately, psychopaths proper are so successful and l- tend to lead long lives. They genuinely don't give a fuck. That's too far. The trick is to listen to what the criticism's telling you someone's telling you a joke is coming across slightly racist in a way you didn't intend, fucking listen. Mm. But don't become emotionally attached to the fact, oh, Johnny said I'm, my joke's a bit racist. That's where the error is. Yeah. So you must listen to the feel. Use it. Someone's giving you a gift. Yeah. The more successful you get... The and they might be right as well, right? They are. They could be right. The worst thing you can do once you pass a 50, 60, 70, 80 grand a year earning yeah. is to have people around you that say yes and think you're great. Yes. Have at least two people who don't rate you that much, <laughs> but are not being negative for no reason, but yeah. aren't but aren't impressed. I'm wife sure that's known as a wife, isn't it? My wife's wife is the same. a good one. Yeah. But uh, my tour manager, for example, mm-hmm. Murray, we have a, what's the most negative thing that happened at the gig? And whoever's mistake it is, no one gets in trouble. Yeah. Black box policy, I call it. Yeah. Whatever's in that black box, no one's getting sacked. Yeah. No one's getting disciplined. All oh, right, you fucked up that fade to sound as I walked on. What a gift. Yeah. That will never happen again yeah. because we now know you need to bring the beat down to the new yes. track we're using when I say the name of the town. The most negative thing. I like that. It's What's the most gift. negative thing? People are giving you a gift. Not spiteful, nasty fuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mute those and, and you're going to have to grow a pair and toughen up. Yeah. But for the rest of them, treat it like a gift. Unwrap it. What's in that failure? What can you learn? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Same with boxing. You get, you get knocked down once, you ain't going to get knocked down by that guy again, are yeah. you? You learn yeah. how he moves. That's what I think. There's that, there's that whole Rocky quote that people love, which is not about how many times you can get knocked down. I'm like, if you keep getting knocked down, mate, you're doing something fucking yeah. wrong. It's how many times you can get up again and then not get knocked down yeah. because you know this guy's got yeah. a wide right or whatever. What's the maddest thing that's ever happened in a gig? Because you mentioned people, drunk people in the crowd. What's the maddest thing that's ever happened? Um, well, maddest disruption-wise, yeah. I mean, only just on on this tour. Yeah. Um, with with stand-up, I'm assuming it's the same with any other public speaking or product launch type thing, the most dangerous, it's like a flight. Statistically, once your plane's in the air, yeah. you're probably going to be all right. Yes. The most dangerous point is landing, but take off. If you survive takeoff, you're not going to die. People that are scared of flying. Um, and it's the same with stand-up. If you can just get into the air... For those first two minutes, you'd be like, it's totally the same as public some, speaking. If something happens in that first minute, <laughs> your mic breaks or someone shouts, you're a prick. Your fucking slides don't work. Right. Yeah, it's, a nightmare. It can, like Japanese knotweed, go into the foundations of your gig. Yeah. I went on in South End, home gig, home 17, gig. 1,700 people sold out. Second night, sold out. I'm like, I'm fucking swinging my dick at the side <laughs> of the stage. I can do anything here. 
I can like rumple stilts and I can make gold. Walk out as a woman sat on the stage, drunk. I've got cancer and I'm not moving. Oh, Deal fucking hell. Deal with that. <laughs> oh, shit. I've got cancer. So I'm dead in the... Russell, I love you. You're going to do the gig to me. Come and give me a hug. You're my favourite comedian. I've got cancer. You're already at a oh, point fuck. where your brain's going, right, what do I... How can I make this funny? Is that yeah. what you're thinking? Yeah, how can I make this funny? How can I not... She's going to be dragged off by security. I can't let that happen. At the same time, I can't do a joke with her going, hey! like, uh, I just, I made a mistake, which was said, what do you want me to do? Sit here and magic mic you. And then, of course, the rest of the audience wanted me to strip for her. Oh, they started cheering, which I did obviously not going to do. Shit. Um, so in the end, I went down the tender, more like a Russell Brand type. Come on, mate, I'll give you a hug. What a sad. So let's give her a round of applause. You are going to have to leave because the show will be totally ruined if you stay. Let's help her down with security. She's getting chucked out, but we all love her, don't we? Let's love her as she's chucked nice. out. I went down that route. Yeah. I rolled with the punch. Yeah. But I couldn't avoid. Yeah. Um, that's pretty mad. Holy so far shit. as in and around gigs, I mean, people think I'm exaggerating this or that I'm trying to get it going because it's funny. But I get muddled up with Nick Grimshaw to an intolerable <laughs> degree to the point where it's so fucking... She can't stand it. She, really? She's a man, can she? So she yeah. kicks <laughs> off at anything. Um, but I, the maddest thing that ever happened, so I'm playing the Hammersmith Apollo, fucking 4,000 odd seats or whatever it is. Mate, that's some fucking thing. And I always like to go out before the gig starts. And I did it at Stockton and I have a little look at the crowd arriving and I have my hoodie up and everything. And someone in the crowd on the out... Hampton Apollo's got like a big outdoor courtyard bit where everyone's like moving in like zombies. Someone yeah. turns to me and went, are you going to see Russell? Are you a fan of his? Grimmy's here. Grimmy, <gasps> can I have a selfie? So no. Someone thought I was Grimmy going to see me. Oh my God, that is, that is incredible. Like, that's Black Mirror shit, isn't it? Wow. But we be, we went to see the cinema, me and Lindsay. Fucking empty cinema, about 10 people in it. Straight out of Compton, hyper-masculine. We were drinking, getting off with each other in the sea. <laughs> really nice date night. And a woman, and we huddled afterwards waiting for a taxi. And a woman went, what's going on here? To Lindsay. She's like, what do you mean? She went, he's gay. My, bro my, my brother, my bro no, she's Cockney. My brother came out because of you. And here you are getting off with a girl. It's no problem if you're not gay. Just <laughs> thinking I'm Nick Grimshaw. And as I went to answer, Lindsay went, what fucking business is it of yours? <gasps> Even if he was Nick Grimshaw, which is not your fucking silly bitch. What business is it of yours, whether he's bisexual or whatever? Stay out of people's business. And this woman, it was like, you know when you see oh, someone shit. on the box? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, shit. She's fucking gone. Have you had a conversation with Grimshaw about this? Yes, we've been on. We did Soccer AM together. Oh, did you? And, uh... We got they do split screens and make jokes of it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm gonna have to watch I'm that. I'm assuming now. I'm assuming it happens to him. Obviously for him, for me it's funny and cool. Imagine yeah. being Grimmy being muddled up with me. I'm twelve years older than him and I'm not a radio one DJ. What a great fucking segue, mate, into our last question. <laughs> Talk to me about this because um I know my friend James Smith uh, was on your podcast. Him and my manager, the first thing they said is how the fuck is Russell Kane forty seven? I know. And I always ask you this. What's your What's the secret? So I started slowly, um, like with everything. I started with the basics, uh, cutting out sugar about nine, ten years ago, the real basics. Then I moved on to the second basics, which is stop eating shit. I mean, there is no magic diet. Uh, I, I eat a block of butter in the morning. I shit myself at 5 p.m. I've just seen his book over there, actually. Look at who we're talking about there. I've, lo I've lost a stone. Have you really? You've also fucking got duodenum cancer now, you <laughs> fucking bellend. Stop, stop eating a block of butter. Yeah. I've, I've gone around the houses and studied all these different diets. And lo and behold, the truth is a medium amount of most foods, a moderate amount of the time. That means carbs, fats, protein. Yeah. Not excessive carbs like yeah. Brits eat. If yeah. you look at the British plate, 
My my in laws, uh, my, my massive yeah. bit of mash, dot of meat. No, like nice bit of protein, nice bit of fatty steak, loads of green vegetables, mm. a lower amount of carbs, but not so that you're pissing out ketones unless you're doing something extreme. Yeah, I mean, it's all bollocks. Yeah, medium amount of food, moderate amount of the time, exercise daily. Mm. News flash. They've been doing that since. The what do you do for time. exercise? You. What's your favorite thing? Uh, mixture, weights and is cardio. It? Mixture. I get bored easy. So yeah. I'll go into the gym. I'm up to 50 minutes a day now, which is way beyond what most people want to do. Mm. Do 15 minutes a day. Do some weights for 10 minutes. Fucking run like a nutter on the spot for five. It'll change your life. Third one that I've done before we move on to the hardcore shit I've started doing in the five years, yeah. the last five years. Eat when you're hungry. It's so basic. But in England, we're programmed out of bed, shove sugary co- cocoa puffs in your mouth. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm dead from diabetes at 60. <laughs> No, if your body, and you're not a child, but once you're not a child, if your body is not hungry in the morning, yeah. don't fucking eat. Yeah. If you're hungry, eat. Don't. Oh, it's not 16 hours. No, just eat when you're hungry. I happen to get hungry at midday, one o'clock. That is, depend, doesn't depend on when I've eaten the night before. If I eat at 8 p.m., I eat at 1 p.m. the next day. Yeah. If I've eaten at midnight, I eat at 1 p.m. the next day. Yeah. That's just when I get hungry. Yeah. I don't eat before then. Yeah. That fasting, natural fasting... Uh, kills off the shit old cells that are floating around your body aging you. It's called autophagy. The cells eat themselves, they explode themselves, they kill themselves. A natural thing that doesn't cost any money that you can do straight away. Once you understand aging, aging happens by two extremely simple processes. Which Mate, I, you're on one now, I love it. He's on one, I love it. I will explain aging so that every person, whatever their educational level, understands what aging is. Aging is a disease just like cancer, just like arthritis, and it should be treated, right? What it is is this. Number one, your old shit cells from the day before that should have killed off, your body's got other things to do. So it leaves, they're called senescent is the long word. Think of them as old age cells. They're floating around your body. Mm -hmm. As you get older, you've got more of these bin bag cells floating Mm -hmm. around. They sit in your body and they, like putting rot in, in the kitchen, they rot other things around them. Old people have shitloads of dead fucking old junk flying around their body. Is that why they smell like piss? They smell like piss. <laughs> so try and do things that clear out the dead cells. The second thing you get crap at is... What do you mean by try and do things to get rid of that? What? Fasting, exercise, yeah. and all the supplements. Yeah. The hardcore stuff I'm yeah. doing as well. Yeah. The other thing that aging is, is an inner, you copy yourself. Human beings are analog. We're not digital. Mm-hmm. Do you remember on a photocopy? If I photocopied your face, then photocopied the photocopy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Photocopy. That's what We've just listened to a podcast where you said that in the podcast. Right. So that's what your cells are doing. They're photocopying themselves. Yeah. Help your body to more accurately make a new copy of Paul Mort's skin cell mm-hmm. for tomorrow, mm-hmm. and you'll have a younger looking Paul Mort in seven years' time than if you weren't doing that. Younger feeling. My energy is fucking insane, right? I sleep eight to nine hours a night like a baby. My productivity is up here. My sex drive, poor old fucking Lindsay. I spend my life with a bone. I want to shag 24-7. My Mate, do you know the best? Incredible. Do you know the best video I've seen that you do? It was in your <laughs> stories. I showed Mac it. It was where you you were on holiday somewhere and you came on, you were pissed as fuck on a story, and you said, Shabba Ranks has been in a summit. <laughs> and you went, you went, Mr. Loverman. And then you look at the camera and you're like this, you went, Shabba. <laughs> the best video I've ever seen you do. So that that's it. <laughs> That's all aging is, an inability to copy. So a younger man in his 20s, he's copying his cells over more efficiently. But as soon as you pass 25, 26, less efficient copies mm. and more bin bags. Mm. Do things that help your cells replicate mm-hmm. and do things. Don't extend your life. Who wants to live to 100? Not me. Extend your health span. Be a 90-year-old with a boner enjoying life, then die at 91. Yes. Don't be a, an 80-year-old all fucked up in a chair. Yeah, yeah, You might yeah. be through bad luck yeah, yeah. right back to the beginning. Yeah. But increase your luck yeah that diet 
exercise basics and then a shitload of other supplements that really turbo boost these mm. nmn resveratrol curcumin fisetin good quality ones mm. third party certified mm. and i'm working on a product because all this sounds really complicated so i'm working on a simple all-in-one product that people can take in the morning not your by the way i'm an american who takes five thousand supplements off not interested yeah that your average lazy fucker will can just take a three pill hit yeah. that's got the good quality biohacking supplements in, yeah. which when mixed with the lifestyle. I mean, look at me. This is, I don't look like my mates, right? I've got no Botox, <laughs> no filler. Yeah. Right? I'm not like fucking oil painting or anything, but I've definitely slowed down my my aging. Yeah. I'm definitely doing better than a lot of 47-year-olds. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, and like I said, when they said that first thing, I've said it to you before, I was like, you're fucking 47? No way. Yeah. And you said stuff about your hair, you told me stuff about supplements, and you, yeah. and, you, and mate, i seen you one time. I'm sure you were on the front page of the paper, were you? I torso shirt open heat. or something. I torso is that what it was? This summer, I was a centerfold in heat, and the caption said, "Lindsay Kane is a lucky wife." Which I'm not allowed to quote it. She fucking hates Bet it. Bet you. <laughs> the, hair, the hair's a completely different conversation. Yeah, that's a really simple scientific process. But you've got to start now when you're thinning, lads. Yeah. Um, the only note of caution I will say is you're going to have to temporarily drop your sperm count if you want to grow your hair back. It's impossible to do both because if you're going to suppress your testosterone. In certain regions, it's going to suppress the testosterone in sperm. I'm, I'm on TRT right now, actually. And will, they said your sperm count goes down. It will go right down. But, you know, if you've got... It's reversible. So if you come off minoxidil, which is what I'm taking in my hair, it's a topical supplement. Yeah. Don't do finasteride. It's a bit too much for me. Yeah. Um, yes, my sperm count probably is lower. That's... I'm making so could I do both at the same time? Could I do TRT and whatever that yeah, is? Yeah, minoxidil. Look, check, double check. You speak to some, someone, a qualified yeah. um, trycologist or a doctor. You, do you get your bloods done in that then, Russell? Or? Regularly, do yeah. You? I'm addicted to home testing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I love it. I get everything tested, my this epigenetic age, my DNA. Really? Like, well, it's either bullshit or it isn't. Yeah. So I get I go to Bupa, I get my lungs measured, my mobility. Yeah. Um, things like that that are the real in the ones you can't you know some man in his 40s goes well I'm young I was going right touch your toes then Kevin he's like oh yeah yeah my belly's in the way number one is can you get up from the floor from legs crossed without using your hand that's such an old school test no you I can't sit down on the floor cross yeah. your legs stand up you stop being able to do that around early 40s mm. because this TRT thing for me has been transformative yeah I, I, I was <laughs> I was to someone about this at the weekend there's no such thing as a quick wank anymore Oh. It takes ages. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's there's always going to be negatives and messing. The problem with testosterone. I'm amazing and shagging now. Yeah. <laughs> Le Leslie Sikovic is like, can I you not just have a quick wang? I'm like, there's no quick wang anymore because it's just it's got stallion. Going, going through a lot of pseudocream and you've had a stair lift. <laughs> I'll be Honestly, going up to, looks around corners. I'll be going up to bed now, Pet. But smash just into a stair lift. <laughs> no, but I, I, I should probably just say if you're going to do anything like I've described, yeah. speak to a medical professional first. Yeah. Just double check particularly anything with men that messes with your testosterone because yeah. testosterone correlates with mood and get your bloods done. Minoxidil doesn't seem to affect the free testosterone in your body, but it yeah. does seem to affect sperm count. We yeah. don't know why. Yeah, yeah. So if you try and have a baby, basically Jason Statham's covered in pussy. Chill out is what I'm saying. <laughs> Bald as fuck, covered in pussy. He don't is. worry about you're it. You're right, I, you're right. What, um, what got you into all of that then, Russell? Because... You, 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 you're into all that you're into all the data aren't you you're yeah. right into the I science read, I read the double blind what's called the double blind so if someone goes oh vitamin C cures colds mm -hmm. I go to the the study and I look at how many people are in that study and I look for who paid for it and I, mm -hmm. and I pay to download the study obviously I can't read some of it because yeah. I don't have the medical training yeah. but if it oh 10 people and 5 didn't get a cold it's like well it, you know that's bullshit then yeah, vitamin yeah, C yeah. doesn't stop colds yeah um 
it was a gradual sort of trickle trickle. Are you on uh, are you on um WebMD? Are you on uh, yeah, PubMed and, and examine.com? All those. They're amazing examine.com. So it was it was a sort of trickle into it, but what really the truth behind it is I happen to accidentally have this stand-up act, which is like, as you all know, Lee Evans on steroids. Yes. So I've got the Lee Evans physical energy mixed with, I'm playing with some quite big ideas quickly. Yeah. And as soon as I passed 30, I was like <sighs> panting at the end of a routine. My yes. fitness dropped and I thought, I actually can't afford to age here. Mm. Where is the science on slowing down aging? Mm. And it's the, it's evolving. I do believe, maybe not in our lifetime, but in our children's lifetime, I think the science will make significant uh, gains on health span. I yeah. don't think human beings should live longer than 100. Yeah. It's like, fuck off. But I would love to be really vital into my 80s. Yeah. And that I mean, is totally possible. Yeah. I mean, that's fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, Russell Kane, mate, I've had a fucking great time. Uh, it's been worth a fucking wait, so uh, thank Thanks, you man. so much. I've got to shake that hand thank just so to check. Yeah, that's a strong grip. That's that the CRT. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Geordie handshake, that bro. I love it. <laughs> Russell, where I'm going to tell the guys, where's the best, if someone wants to find out more about you, someone wants to learn more, see more of you, where would you say is the best place? Well, if you go to my Instagram and Facebook, all of the free content I put out, still totally free, stand-up mm. rants, topical humour, things like that. Oh, and interviews. the fucking... Liam Shaft. Yeah, all the characters. All these characters. Yeah, this new, new American one. I've got a new one this week who's an American with no medical training, which is basically who I've ironically just been for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyway. What's his name? I can't even remember. I make them up know, on the I'm spot. The, the old guy. Oh, Ted Carlins, that's it. Ted Carlins yeah. is a new one. And I love the, uh, the old there's guy. The there's the professor who could, gives linguistic theories and gives the origin of words like pussy hole and mandem. <laughs> Then. Anyway, go there. But if you want to come and see me live, because yeah. at the end of the day, I'd love another watch. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's russellkane.co.uk. Many of the gigs are sold out. I'm adding more dates. If you found a Newcastle, I know you. I know you might think the seats at the top aren't good, but trust me, I cover every square inch of the stage. The There's about fifty tickets left. Please come to the Newcastle gig. It's going to be fucking amazing. It's on the twenty. Uh, 20- 9th Correct. of October. And Adam Collard's going to be there, ladies, to come Ge- along. Guess and who Steph can't McGovern, come? Steph McCovens. Oh, really? Guess who can't come? You. You're on TRT. No, I'm in Dubai. <laughs> I'm in Dubai. However, I'm coming to Carlisle. Oh, yeah. Now, Carlisle, Carlisle is one that needs a push. It just came out, on it? Yeah, so Carlisle, loads of spare tickets, so please come along to Carlisle. And just keep looking. I've added a Belfast date. They're always sick. Yeah, sick. Yeah. Carlisle, I'll see, you, uh, I'll see you guys there. Yeah. Thank you, Russell Kane. My pleasure.